0: You are listening to the Restoration L.A. podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. So, Lord, we just thank you for this man. I thank you, God, for the husband that he is, the father that he is, the, the Christian that he is, the believer that he is, God, the man of faith and integrity that he is, Lord. I pray, God, today that he would speak in authority. I pray, God, that he would speak in boldness. And I pray, God, that his heart would just overflow. Um every word out of his mouth, God, will come from you and come from your heart and what you are calling us to do as a church, Lord. I pray that our ears and our, our hearts will be open to this message. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank
1: you. Alright, so, while I get set up over here, Jordan, um, you're going to put up that first photograph which is about 10 years old. Alright, so, Sorry, Judah, (laughs) you're, so Judah's in diapers there. Uh, That's obviously Caleb, that's myself, that's about 10 years ago, I was in Spain, Uh, and yeah, my beautiful wife that came up and gave an awesome word, Uh, we had it on our hearts that uh, God was, we were in South Africa at that time, not this time, but at the time we had it on our hearts that God, you're going to send us to the nation of Spain because we love tapas. <laughs> no, just we had a heart for Spain. And part of the journey that God took us on is we went on this trip. We went to go and see and like scout Spain and, hey, God, uh, challenge us, uh, give us a heart for this nation we already had, but like show us where. And uh, kind of we haven't gone to Spain. Um and what we realized through that trip was God's not limited by our small plans um, and that we had a plan for this nation, singular, but God opened our eyes up in our heart on this trip and it was like, hey, i not giving you a heart for one nation, I've given you a heart for nations. And so then our journey began and we went from South Africa to the Netherlands, Netherlands to England, England to LA. Um, and so, yeah, the, the journey has begun for us. So... Um, today, what we're going to do is I'm going to take you on a little journey. So before we get going on our journey, if you jump in my car, what do you need to do? You got to put your seatbelt on. So if you, if you're not going to put your seatbelt on, you're not coming on this journey. So I want to see all of you. Let's go put your seatbelt on. You can even give us that little click. All right, there we go. So we're going to start on this journey. Um, we, yeah, we can leave that one up, um, don't go on to the core values yet, so we'll leave that one up. So, I printed my notes in font 18, because I'm trying to avoid wearing these. <laughs> so, if you can read my notes, it's probably because you have a better eyesight than I do. All right, so, because I don't like the kind of on and off, on and off kind of vibe, so. Um, but firstly, I'd like to thank Jody, who's not here, and the Eldership team. Um, just for the privilege that it is to stand up here and bring a word. Um, I don't take it lightly, um, and it's a great responsibility to do it. Um, I'm trusting that through the power of Christ and the connection that he seeks with us, and I read this this morning, early in the morning, because I was going through my notes one last time, and I was like, connection, connection. And I actually scratched it out, and I was reconnect, because Christ, wants not just to connect with us, but he wants to reconnect with us. There was a connection. There was a connection before, and that connection was broken. Through Jesus, he's given us that opportunity to reconnect with him. So through the power of Christ, and for us to understand that his heart is to reconnect with us um, through his Holy Spirit, that we're going to grow in a deeper understanding today of God's love for us, as well as his plans that he has for us. Okay. Okay. So as a family, as an RLA family, we started a series. We'll call it a journey, because the whole theme today is journey. Remember, you've put your seatbelt on, we're in LA, we're still in traffic, we haven't gotten anywhere, so. But we started this journey last week, and this journey is uh, exploring our RLA core values. So, last week Jody started us off, I was in the passenger seat, so he was driving last week, today I'm getting a chance to drive. And we looked at the first two core values, the first one, which is in order, number one is in order, and then all the rest are not in priority order. But the first one is Jesus-centered. So RLA, core value number one, you can put all the others to the side, number one is Jesus-centered. And then number two was every person matters. If you were here, maybe some of this is ringing a bell, you're remembering this part of the journey, if not, you can go online, you could listen to those first two as well. So if you're joining us for the first time, or if you just want a reminder, what are core values? um, You can Google what are core values, and an answer comes up. So I'm gonna give you a a statement over here, but then we're gonna go a little deeper. So core values are statements that are not just worthwhile, they represent an individual or an organization's highest priorities, strongly held beliefs, and foundational driving forces. They are at the heart of the organization or the individual, and it's what they stand for. So, um, often companies or anyone could put core values up on the entrance to the building or somewhere where it's central, people are gonna see it the whole time. And the difference between just putting words up on the wall or actually truly Believing and living those out, there's a big difference. You can put it, you can have a day and get your organization together and say, these are our core values. But if you're not living them out, they're not, then they're just words that have been put on the wall. So I know a lot of us have Apple devices, popular brand. So in 1981, Steve Jobs did that exercise. Hey, what do we stand for? What are our core values? Now, I'm not going to read all Apple's core values, and they have subsequently changed and developed. Um, as the company has developed, but three or maybe four that I pulled out which I thought were really interesting. We build products we believe in. So for Apple, they're like, before we build a product, we need to align it with our core values. What's our core values? We need to believe in the product, all right? Yes, we believe in the product, then we're gonna build this product. Uh, We are all in it together, win or lose. So there's this collective. If you work for Apple, you've got to jump on board and then you build products that you believe in. And if the product wins, we all win. If the product loses, we all lose. And then the last one, we are creative. We set the pace. So these are just some of the core values that Apple put out in 1981, 40 years ago. Um, RLA has ha- has done this journey. What are our core values? And we're going through this core value experience again so that we remind ourselves that these are the most important things. These are the foundational beliefs and this is what connects us. This is what we push for. This is what we uh, deeply believe in. So, Jordan, you can give us that slide number three. So we're on the journey. We're at uh, core value number three. Um, And the core value is taking the next steps. So I think it's probably over two slides. I'm going to read it and then we will go to the second slide, but then we'll stay on the first slide. So taking the next steps, discipleship is a journey an ongoing pilgrimage that begins where we are. We are guided in each stage of the journey by engagement with scripture, engagement with the Holy Spirit and connection to the body of Christ, his church. So that if you're making notes, that will stay up there the whole time, we're going to go through it step by step, and uh, see me as your tour guide while I'm taking you on this journey, and I'm gonna point point things out for you. Okay, we're all still good? No one needs the restroom? We ain't stopping, all right? Don't ask, are we there yet? All right, so sometimes taking the next step is pretty simple, all right? So I'm gonna use an example. Hey Steve, I've been meaning to have you and Jess around for dinner. How does Tuesday sound? Does that work for you? Just going to check his calendar. It's good. All right, great. Let's, let's lock it in. Tuesday, you guys come around for dinner. Okay, don't come on Tuesday because we're not there on Tuesday. The example being, all right, I had to ask Steve, hey, Steve, are you available? Yes, you are. All right, let's lock in dinner. All right, pretty simple. Um, If I now go a couple of years back, and while Angie and I were dating, hey, Ange, how about we get engaged? How does Tuesday sound? (laughs) There's pretty big differences between what the next step would look like in the example of inviting Steve for dinner. And if I didn't invite Steve for dinner, well, then one of us is going hungry, I guess. All right. But I could not apply the same principle of taking the next step with Angie and just saying, hey, you feel like getting engaged? Great, let's do it. How about Tuesday? All right. So there's a whole bunch more that was required there. But if I didn't do those steps, okay, it's probably like a single step here, but it's like a whole it's a whole journey on this side. And if I didn't take those steps, where's Caleb and Judah? Well, let's not go there because... Uh, if we didn't take those steps, then maybe Angie and I wouldn't be married right now. So I'm glad that I took those steps. So in Hebrews 12 verse 1, um, Caleb, oh, no pressure when your sons say, hey, dad, I'm taking notes today. So then suddenly you realize like, wow, they've developed from the two little boys holding my hands to now they're taking notes of their dad speaking at church. So. Um Caleb said, are you not putting your notes up on the screen? I was like, no, today I'm not putting the notes up or I'm not putting the scriptures up on the screen. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to give you some time to flick through to Hebrews 12 verse 1. If you're on a digital Bible on your phone, go for it. Open up your Bible app. If you don't have a Bible app, you can always Google the uh, scripture. So Hebrews 12 verse 1, I'm going to read out of the NLT, the New Living Translation. All right, so I think we're all there. So Hebrews 12, verse 1. And I hope everyone that's watching online also did the whole seatbelt on, okay? Because you're on this journey. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So I really like the NLT version because it talks about a life of faith. This is going to be part of the journey. Now we've gotten away from a little bit of the traffic. Now we're actually, we're getting somewhere. So now it's really time for you not to fall asleep in the backseat, but really stick with me here. So it talks about a life of faith. So my sons are doing a science, a series in science at school. And part of science is like, what is life? What defines life? Like if you had to say, well, something is living, so is this uh, table living? It does not fit into these uh, various categories. Jordan's coming, really? Oh, are you switching seats? Okay, okay. So something needs to grow. Is this going to grow? It ain't going to grow. Did my boys grow in that picture? Yes, they did. So there's life there. There's no life here. Um, it needs to respond to stimuli. So just pinch your neighbor and see if they respond. All right, I'm hearing a couple of hours. I'm seeing movement. Okay, so you guys are all alive. Congratulations. Yeah, you're responding to stimuli. All right. The other principle of life is you need to be able to adapt. So you need to be able to, something's happening around you, you need to be able to adapt to an environment. It's really hot, you start taking some of your layers off. It's really cold, you start putting some of the layers. So you're adapting to your environment. This table, I haven't seen it getting dressed or undressed or put another layer on, it's not alive. Uh, part of life is the ability to multiply. So this table and multiplying unless someone's gonna build another table. Okay. And then metabolize. It needs to use energy. All right. So we consume our beverages, we consume our food, we metabolize that. It produces energy, it gives us that ability to move and to respond. So back to the scripture where it says a life of faith. So we're called not just to have faith, because in the word it says, well, even the demons have faith. They they know that there's a God that exists, but we're to have, we're called to have a life of faith. So our faith needs to grow. Our faith needs to respond. Our faith needs to adapt. Our faith needs to multiply. Our faith needs to, we need to feed our faith, right? We need to metabolize. There needs to be growth in our faith. So part of this journey is going to be me. And the reason why I like the handhold is because I'm very animated with my hand. So when I'm holding one thing, it's only one hand moving around, okay? Um, and I also talk a lot in pictures, so stay with me on the journey, it's going to make sense. So, I remember a long time ago, I ran a few half marathons, I don't know what the distance is in miles, who can, it's 21.1 kilometers, but that's probably somewhere in the 13 something miles, there you go, 13.1. It was the first time that I ran. A few of my friends had run before, so it was like I was asking all these questions, and we went on training runs, and it was this kind of like, all right, I'm going to commit. I signed myself up for the race. I knew when the date was, and I knew how I need to prepare, and I ran along some of my friends on the training runs. And sometimes we chose to run on treadmills. I don't like running on treadmills pretty much because it's un scenic, there's nothing going on, you're just running on this thing and either you're looking at a screen or you're not really going anywhere, right? But hmm? that's Steve's excuse too. <laughs> uh, Linton's not here, but I was going to also use the example, so cyclists have these training wheels, not that go on the side of their bike. I'm sure Linton knows how to ride his bike without training wheels, but you get uh, a training device that elevates the wheel at the back. And then he's in his garage or in his backyard and he's got a fan on him and he's just grinding out cycling. He's not going anywhere. He's just cycling. He's training, but he's pretty stationary. And then obviously Linton goes on these amazing cycles, these amazing trips through LA and up in the mountains and around and kind of the same with the running and my running is running on a treadmill is like almost having stationary faith. Whereas running is a journey and you go and explore and you go and see things and Linton cycling, he's going in and is seeing and exploring. So we can easily become treadmill faith runners or training wheel faith cyclists where we rely on the faith that we have and then we just repeat that over and over. So just like the treadmill keeps you in the same space, but you, you've stopped going on a journey if that makes sense. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually take our core value and we're going to break it down. We're going to spend a little bit of time. On this trip, I also have three guest speakers. So you're in for a surprise. We have three guest speakers coming into this trip as well. Maybe that's when I hand over the steering wheel and say, hey, you guys just drive for a little while. I'm getting a little tired. So uh, discipleship, let's go to the first slide. Thanks, Judah. So, discipleship. No, that's the last screen. Discipleship is a journey. Okay, so that's the first first part of the screen. We're guiding each, and that's the second stage. Can you find the first slide, Church? Otherwise, you there are no more. Did it disappear? So, discipleship. Let's stop. Just at that word, the last four letters of that word is ship. What were ships designed for? To sail, to go on a journey, right? It's, there you go, taking the next step, discipleship. Those f- four letters. Uh, ships were desi- designed to go on a journey, right? They're not designed to live in the harbor and not go anywhere, right? So Stopping at discipleship. Discipleship, in other words, is being followers of Christ. So being followers of Christ is actually a journey, just like getting into a ship and going somewhere. So discipleship is a journey, or in other words, an ongoing pilgrimage. I kind of put those, you could have put those in parentheses, an ongoing or an ongoing pilgrimage. So there are 22 scriptures in the Gospels where Jesus uses the the phrase, Follow me. Okay, 22 times their references there. There is action required in following, right? I don't say to Zeke, hey, Zeke, come follow me. And then you go, yeah, sure. Where are we going? No, no, no. Just come follow me. Zeke would be a little confused, like, all right, I'm going to follow you, but where are we going to go? So there's action. And Zeke can't say, yeah, I'll follow you. And then Jesus said, come follow me. Jesus is on this journey. And Zeke's like, yeah, I'm going to follow you, but I'm going to stay where I am. That's not exactly, that's saying something with your words, but not exactly with your actions. So if discipleship is a journey and discipleship is this call of following Christ and Christ is on a journey, you better realize we're not just all sitting in the car with our seatbelts on. (laughs) Someone's like, are we going to go somewhere? Like, Let's go, right? So there's a journey. It continues saying that that begins where we are. So we're going to stop there and we're going to just focus a little time on begins where we are. So here, each day is a new day. Stay with me because this gets a little weird. Uh, Each day is a new day. Are we running on a treadmill? Remember, we spoke about stationary faith. You're exercising, you're using your faith, but you're using your faith in a way that you grew to a point, you grew that faith to that point, and now you're just repeating that level of faith on the treadmill. Or you're running this life of faith. So my marathon had a defined starting point and a defined end point, right? It was six in the morning, a couple of thousand people, you were ranked according to your previous numbers, so because I'd not run a previous race, they stuck me all the way at the back, so all the super-fast guys were in the front, but there was a defined start line. You wore this chip on your shoe. As you crossed the line, your timer set off. As you crossed the finish line, your timer switched off, right? But there was a defined start and a defined end, the 13.1 miles. Even along the journey, you had the countdown of like how many miles still to go, and. In the beginning, you're running fresh, and by the time you've still got another four miles to go, you're like, oh, my goodness, when's this next mile marker going to come? Um, Our discipleship journey, or our life of faith, is continuous. Remember in the scripture it said, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So there's a similarity. There's a race, but it says, let us run with endurance. So I I needed endurance to run my race. You need endurance to run this race of discipleship or this life of faith. However, there is no finish line with Christ. You may argue the fact that there's a starting line. So you commit your life to Christ and you say, hey, Christ, God, I believe in you. And I believe that you have washed my sins away and that I'm reconnected with you through the power of your son, Jesus Christ. So you could argue that there's a starting point but I don't believe that there's a finish line because it says it begins where you are. So I believe that it's always beginning. So it began today. Tomorrow you're going to wake up and your life of faith is going to begin again. And the next day it's going to begin again. It's always beginning. Now, I'm not saying that to discourage you, all right? Because you may go, well, then we're never going to get anywhere. It's not meant to discourage you. It's meant to make you realize that you cannot outrun discipleship, right? Because often we'll transition from running on the road to running on the treadmill because we think, well, you know what? My faith has grown to a certain point, and I think that I'm good where I am. I don't need to pursue God as, as strongly. I don't need to spend as much time in the Word. So I'm, I'm going to stop here. I'm just going to transition because I've, I've outrun discipleship. But the reality is that there's no outrunning discipleship. The journey is ongoing. The adventure that God has us is ongoing. God has more and more and more and more for us. Are we able to run into the more that God has for us? The first song that we we sang this morning, it said, run into wide open spaces. Grace is waiting for you. Run into wide open spaces. Just continue running, continue running, continue running. Despite not knowing what's going to be there, grace is waiting. His love is there waiting. His ability to catch us when we fall is there waiting for us. So the first point being, it begins where you are. Each one of us is on this journey. Yes, right now we're sitting in the car together and we're on the same journey. But God is so unique that each one of us is on our own journey faith journey, our own life of faith, our own discipleship, our process of following Christ, when he said, hey, come follow me, and we said, yep, I'll put my hand up, I'm going to follow you, we're each on our own journey, and there is no finish line to that journey. God's just got, hey, come, I've got another adventure for you, come with me, let's go to the next one, let's go to the next one. It's not like God set up, when Jesus came on his ministry and he spent three years He was pretty nomadic. He just moved from one spot to the next spot to the next spot. It's not like he set up a camp and he's like, here we go. This is where I'm going to build my church and everyone's got to come to me. No, he's like, hey, this is my journey. You want to follow me? Sweet. Come, let's. And he would take people on this adventure and this wild three-year adventure, which continues today. If we can go to the next slide because we've, gone past the first one. So let's recap. We're on this journey. This journey is ongoing. This journey is a life of faith. This journey is the same as us running, not on a treadmill, but into wide open spaces, into an adventure that Christ has for us. By the way, we don't get tired on this run. We just keep running. We have endurance, but he's given us the endurance to continue running. We are guided in each stage of the journey. All right, so we're all in the car. Uh, does anyone know where we're going? Like, has anyone put in the GPS coordinates? Has anyone kind of gone like, hey, we just got to f- head east. Just keep heading east and because we head west. We're sooner or later going to hit the ocean and this car ain't going to swim. So now we have the luxury of uh, GPS, um, I still remember the day when you used to have a roadmap. Yep. Some of the nodding heads are like, and some of the youngsters are like, what do you mean a roadmap? Like seriously, just open the app and put in the coordinates and it'll give you your multiple directions. No, you used to get these things that you unfold and then while you're driving, you have to try and figure out what's going on. Sometimes it came in multiple page books. Then you kind of had to go like, okay, I'm going here. And then you had to flip over books. So yep. We all remember those days. But yes, um, I think for the journey, we're going to require some directions. So I'm hoping we've been driving in the right direction, but I think it's time just to pull off to the side and kind of put in our directions. So we use GPS and landmarks. So in our beautiful um, city of Cape Town in South Africa, where's our fellow South African? There he is, he'll recognize Table Mountain. You cannot get lost in Cape Town because we have this gigantic mountain called Table Mountain. So wherever you look, uh, there it is. All right. It it gives you bearing. It gives you kind of direction. In the Netherlands, however, it's a very flat country. There's not a lot. So there's nothing as kind of large as a mountain, except in the city that we lived in, there was this uh, tower. It's called the Dom Toren. And so when you're cycling on your bicycle, so that's what you do in the Netherlands, you kind of look around and you're like, ah, there's the Dom Toren, this large tower. And then you'd always kind of have a landmark. You'd have an ability to get your bearings or your direction. But all right, we need a GPS on this journey. So we're on a journey. Our journey is discipleship, following Christ. It's part of our life of faith, this ongoing journey of more and more that Christ has for us. So what what exactly are we going to use? We don't have a GPS allows us to do this, but we're used to using GPS. No one likes getting lost on a trip and I don't believe that Jesus is in the business of kind of taking us on stray journeys and we don't really have any clue of what we're doing and we kind of feel like a dog that's just chasing its tail and driving around aimlessly and getting lost. He's not in that business. So we need some keys. We need some handles. What is going to help us on this taking the next step? What's going to help us on this discipleship journey? I'm going to call up our first guest speaker. Zeke, you can come up.
2: Um, so Gavin asked me to share um, what I feel like being engaged with Scripture means. Um, so the first thing that honestly pops into my mind when I when I hear Scripture is is a weapon or a sword. Um, so I wrote number one, Scripture is my sword. Knowing and having Scripture written on my heart and in my mind equips me to fight against the schemes of the enemy. Um, And then the second thing, so I have three. So that was the first one. The second one was scripture brings connection and revelation. Um, I'm sorry, correction and revelation. So scripture directly connects us to the life of Jesus, the model in which we live to look like. Um, Number three is scripture is in relationship with the Holy Spirit. So the two biggest tools we have are the Bible and the Holy Spirit.
1: Thank you, Zeke. Zeke's a good driver, hey? You'd all agree? Took the steering wheel, didn't crash into anything. Thank you, Zeke. Engagement with scripture. So, getting directions, right? So, if we have a GPS for a journey or we have a running route and when we go on our run, as long as we don't get lost because we're not going to get lost because we have some landmarks, our discipleship journey is this... This starts us off, right? This gives us direction. How do we follow Christ? Well, we read about him. We go back in history and we see what he did and how he responded and the characteristics that he showed and the words that he spoke. Um, so, it starts here. Here's our punching in, our coordinates, our directions. Engagement with Scripture. So, scripture for me are either just words that we read, like a news article, like an internet webpage, like a science textbook, or we get to a place where we realize that the letters that were written, the words that were written here are actually for us. They're personalized. They're for each one of us. So I think the best way that I could describe that was, it was recently my birthday. What do you get? What do you get on your birthday? You get birthday cards, right? Okay. Some are funny, some show off more the personality of the person giving them to you than uh, than the card itself. But I'm not going to read you the entire card because it's also personal. But it says "Happy Birthday." Gavin, it's not Steve's card. Sorry, Steve, it's not your card. Happy birthday, Gavin. We cherish you, your family, and your friendship, so forth and so forth, right? But it's addressed to me. It's personalized. I read it, and I realize that the words that have been written here are directed to me, okay? Happiest of birthdays to you, Gav. How do we wish a brother like you happy birthday? The Bible speaks about friends that stick closer than a brother. But in you, we have been blessed with both. My birthday, my card. Words spoken to me. There's no difference with this. When you read scripture, you need to believe that God is speaking to you through these words. Because... When I read a scripture, and Steve reads exactly the same scripture, do you know how often it will be that Steve will go, yeah, this stands out for me when I read the scripture. And I'm like, yeah, I don't get that at all, Steve. I don't know what you, but when I read it, it speaks to me in this way. So before you get on your journey, if you're going to read the Bible like a newspaper article or just a factual thing, you're missing the point. You have to read it as if it's a letter That's addressed to you. And it says in Hebrews 4 verse 12, you don't have to turn to that, but if you're writing notes, Hebrews 4 verse 12, for the word of God, okay, what he has written, for the word of God is alive and active. To be engaged with scripture, you need to believe that it has this power. So his word is alive and it's active. So if it's written personally to you and you take it upon and say, hey, Christ God, Jesus, I believe these words that I'm reading here are personal. They're, they're, you're aiming them to me. Those words are ignited with power. They're ignited with, they come alive. They are active. When you read scripture as a science textbook or a historical letter, they lack that alive and active principle. Okay, so read your birthday cards when you're reading The word. Uh, My second guest speaker can come up to the front, please. And Jay is going to start us off with engagement with the Holy Spirit.
2: Hey, guys. So, um, yeah, when Gav asked me to talk about this, sorry. Sorry. Um, I actually went to John chapter 16, if you guys want to turn there, where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. Um, from verse 7, it says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. <clears throat> but if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Um, if you go a little bit farther down to verse 12, it says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot. I'm sorry. You cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said uh, that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So basically when it comes to engagement of the spirit, Um, Who better to get directions from than from God himself, right? So Jesus said that the Holy Spirit tells you what I'm telling you, and I'm telling you what the Father's telling you. So it actually works with Scripture, and I think if you want to engage with the Holy Spirit more, in Scripture you see the words of God, the Father. You see the life of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit's the one who tells you, hey, read this again. That's for you. Take it and apply it to your life. Now the Holy Spirit also guides us in truth and just in life in general. Um, So another really good way to engage with the Spirit is to pray. Um, Just like the disciples did, they waited in an upper room until the Holy Spirit fell. And God himself says in Scripture that um, in these days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So that means he's accessible to us today. And so all you need to do is find some time to pray and ask God to reveal himself to you, to, to show you the next step, to speak to you. Read your Bible, open it up, and see what happens. Um, and if you have any questions, you can ask someone in this church who maybe has been a Christian longer and who you think is more in tune with the spirit than you might be. And if they laugh at you, let me know. I'll beat them up for you.
1: Thank you, Jay. So we're in the car, we're strapped in, we're on this journey. We've plugged in our GPS coordinates, Right. That gives us the global, hey, turn left here, go straight for this. I love going to San Diego because you get on the five and then you just stop looking at the GPS. It's like 170 miles, go straight, <laughs> your next left turn. Whereas when you're like in the inner city and it's like turn left, turn right, go. it's like sometimes freaks me out. Um, but you're in the car, you've plugged in your journey, The GPS doesn't tell you, it kind of gives you an idea like, okay, you're going to hit a little bit of a traffic spot over here, but it doesn't tell you how the person's driving in front of you or someone else cuts you off. And those little small changes that you make on the journey, and even during the journey, sometimes it will pop up and say, hey, faster route found. do you want? And like a little timeline goes on the bar and it's like, okay, take it or don't take it. It's like, oh, you're going to... But those small adjustments... I'm now going to say, well, I believe that the Holy Spirit was given to us as well to we have the direction that we're going in, but the Holy Spirit each day is kind of giving us the little nudge here, and when we're listening to Him, and when we're seeking Him, and when we're in relationship with Him, He's like, hey, just a little this way, or be like, hey, think of this, or hey, that that person that works with you seems down. Like, why don't you go and encourage them? And it's that is more of a, I'm not running on my treadmill, because running on my treadmill, I'm just like, hey, I read my uh, devotional this morning. And hey, that's it, I'm just going. Whereas running and exploring and looking and kind of going on that journey, you're able to then engage with the Holy Spirit as well, and he makes those little minor adjustments. The Hebrew meaning for Emmanuel is God is with us, right? So as Jordan said, Something was given to us because Christ no longer walks the earth. So something was given to us, and Emmanuel, God is with us. So Jesus says here in John 14, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. So this is a gift. This is something that was given to us. The Holy Spirit was given to us. It was given to us so that it can help us and it can be with us. It allows us to, by engaging with the Holy Spirit, by being in connection and relationship with the Holy Spirit, we are able to take the next step. In our life of faith, we're able to take another step because, hey, the Word's encouraging us. Christ is saying, come follow me, come follow me. Where am I going? Christ, well, just don't ask too many questions, just jump in the car. Come follow me. Trust me that the journey that I have you on is the plan and the purpose that I have for your life. All right, Holy Spirit, teach me more while I'm on this journey. Teach me more while I'm on this journey. Because the disciples, they had the figure of Christ. They had someone literally to follow. Right, Hey guys, you want to follow me? I'm Christ. Jordan, come follow me. Let's go. Well, if he stays and Christ walks a mile or two, he ain't going to be able to follow him because he doesn't have a GPS tracker on Christ, right? So there's this process of following and going on the journey. And the Holy Spirit now is that helper who's inside of us that allows us to stay connected and engaged with Christ. When the disciples asked the Lord about the future, Christ's answer was emphatic. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So why would you not take this opportunity to engage in something that guides you along this process of discipleship? Guides you along a process of a life of faith. And then my last guest speaker can come up. This is Jennifer. And
3: I'm like, I wrote this on a post-it. <laughs> um, so talking about um, connecting with the body of Christ um, in terms of discipleship. I think like we read in scripture, like, when Jesus said, "Follow me," and the disciples went with him, they didn't just walk all the time. Like they did life together. You know, they ate together, they prayed together, um, and so we think about that in our body, Christ. You know, we do life together. We go have meals together. We go hang out. You know, we think about all of our youth events when we go hang out with one another. Um, and it, but it's deeper than that. And it's it's spending time. It's growing in relationship with one another. Um, I think an example in like my life is. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time with the Benji's. <laughs> so I meet with Ange every Friday. And so I'm there all the time. Um, I'm doing life with her. You know, I've made meals with her. I've um, spent time with her. We've gone deeper. We've um, walked through things. So it's not just, you know, like, oh yeah, like we'll just eat together, but really going deeper and, and knowing one another and growing together in the direction um, that God has called us. And so it's not just, um, yeah, and it's it's speaking life. You know, we've talked about, you know, like, the scriptures and, and Holy Spirit and and walking in the direction that God has called us. And so I think that's what it is. It's doing life together in the direction um, and pointing towards Jesus and Jesus-centered and Jesus-focused.
1: Thank you, Jen. I get it's nice to be on your own sometimes. My wife will uh, attest to this. Like Sometimes I just need my space, right? But life, life, I don't want to be uh, cast away, that whole movie with Wilson, the the ball, uh, Tom Hanks, right? Um, a life like that is not the life that Christ has called any of us to. He's called us into community. He's called us into relationship, relationship with him, and then relationship with others. So we're in this car we're having this journey together right we're experiencing it together i don't know how fun it is when you just experience all your memories are by yourself and you you try and bring the person into the story and you try and explain like oh it's absolutely incredible and like this beautiful experience and the beach that we went to and the food that we ate i mean angie and i the, the memories that we have, we can't pull others into those memories because we we tasted them, we lived them, we experienced them. And some of the meals that we have, we still kind of like, oh, do you remember that, that where we were and what we did? There's a connection by sharing our lives together. So we had this weird question at work, this hypothetical question, Would you give up fifteen years of your life here on earth? Uh, If you had the opportunity for one year to travel on your own to outer space, like places that no one has ever traveled to before. And some of the guys are like, oh, yeah, for sure, I would do that. I'd give up 15 years here and I'd be able to travel. and I get the, like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, go and visit places. But then I always come back to, like, how do I share that with someone else? How do I share that experience? Because they're not going to know, like, oh, yeah, what does Saturn actually really look like? We've got, like, photos and we think it looks like that, but actually it doesn't look like that. And so I stand more on this. I would not give up 15 years of connecting and doing life together and building memories with Angie and with my boys and with our home group and with family I'd not give that up by having these own memories, which I couldn't engage and bring anyone else into. Um, if you think of, if we were all sitting in a very large Uber share, so pre-COVID when we co- could kind of choose the Uber share and it's like, oh, you're gonna sit and just hang out with some other people that you have no idea who they are or their lives. I, I call that the the, 21st century of the elevator, you know, like you climb in the elevator and you're all strangers and you all look up at the numbers and like get out your floor. An Uber share ride is probably the same equivalent, but it's just in a different format. So I'm not saying doing, like doing life together like that, that stinks. That's not really doing life together. But I like this life. I like that we're in the car together. We're on a journey. uh, We are engaging in scripture we're engaging with the Holy Spirit and that's guiding us along this journey. We're encouraging each other by doing life with each other. We can see when someone needs an encouraging arm. Someone sees when we need an encouraging arm. Someone's praying for us. We're praying for someone else. Being, running on your own. So I, I've I've run more than one marathon. Uh, the first one that I ran was with my mates. And then it was like obviously super competitive and we're like, who's going to win? And uh gets to the final like half a mile. And now it's like, how much does he have in the tank? How much do I have in the tank? And then you start kind of outrunning each other. This race was sponsored by a beer company. So like with another, let's call it length of a football field, they're starting to hand like a cold beer out to you. So I grab one and I'd outrun my friend a little. Then I turned around, and I saw him like chasing me down I've dropped that beer and I'm like, there's no ways that I'm going to not. So drop the beer and like start sprinting to the finish line to make sure that I beat him. So the beer was less important than me beating him. The next year I ran the same race, but none of my friends were able to make it. So I ran it alone. The absolute worst experience of my life running a 13.1 mile race on your own. Cause I was like, yeah, I'm gonna run with this guy. And then I ran with him and he was clearly going to get a way faster time and he was way fitter than me. So by four miles, my tires had blown out and I was like exhausted. And then started running with Angie and then it was a different race. And then it was like a lot more talking and enjoying the race, finishing the race together, going, come on Angie, we can do this last hill together. Um, Didn't drop my beer, having to outrun you, ran over the line together, and just did life and memories together. But honestly, running on your own is not fun that's probably less fun than running uh, on a treadmill by yourself or even having the guy next to you. Um, and guys are, like, seriously, this is so way off topic, but i just got to put this point in. Guys are so competitive. Like, you run on a treadmill and you're seeing, like, hey, what's the guy's speed? What's he going at? What's, what's And then you just, like, put a little bit higher, and then there, that guy puts a little higher, and then sooner or later you guys are sprinting, and, like, you're not running, you're not enjoying yourself, you're just trying to outrun the guy next to you. Don't know where that comes from. But... The point being, the core value of taking the next step, it is individualistic, it's it's what we take upon ourselves, but it's what we believe corporately as well. So if you're part of the RLA family, if you are not part of the RLA family, understand that taking the next step takes commitment, it takes effort, saying yes to Christ that I'm going to follow you, but then still sitting in the same place is actually not following him and that Christ has unlocked this discipleship this life of faith and he's given us tools three things engagement with scripture personally reading them like letters that have been written to you he's given us his holy spirit he's given us someone that we can engage with on a day-to-day basis with brings us into relationship gives us those little like adjustments or opens our eyes up to something that's happening in our family or happening in our own lives or in someone's life around us. And then lastly, he's given us his body of Christ. He's given us the ability to go on these journeys together so that we can have those, oh, you remember that year when we did that, how cool that was and how our faith grew through that and how we had a struggle through it, but we were able to uh, overcome that. Hey, Christ, you've, you've blessed me with this, family around me that cares for me, that prays for me, that looks after me, and that I'm able to be a part of as well. So he's given us those three things to engage us into this uh, journey, this life of faith. So my encouragement this morning is get rid of the treadmill, get into a group, and start running this life of faith that God has called us to. Thank you, Steve.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Engagement with the scripture, engagement with the Holy Spirit, and connection with the body of Christ. That is what we believe in. Those are our core values, and there's many more um, that we are going to be going through. Um, But, yeah, I I encourage us as a church, let's get connected. Let's get connected. Let's say yes to the Lord. Let's say yes to this family, and let's say yes to this journey. Amen? Awesome. So let's stand, guys, and let's pray. Before we uh, head out, Lord, we just thank you, God. Thank you for this amazing word. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the reminder, God, that what you're calling this church to be, who you're calling us to look like, God. We say yes to you. We say yes to this journey. For those of us who are afraid of this journey, I, pr- I pray, God, that we would just take that, that, that leap of faith. We would take that first step. We would trust you. We would, would trust um, your Holy Spirit that is in us, God, that you have given us the power. You have given us the desire, God, to say yes to you and to do the things that please you, God. That's walk this journey out together, Lord. We uh we give you this morning, we give you this weekend, and uh our week. We pray, God, that you would bless us in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Awesome, we love you guys. Um, stay, uh, mingle, and uh, we will see you next week. Have a great week. See you at home groups next week. We got sign up Sundays, amen.